Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hoden with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Last week, the 16th annual MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference had over 200 research paper submissions with more than 150 speakers on 40-plus hours of panels and workshops over two days. One panel, Beyond the Book, The Inevitable Expansion of Sports Betting, presented by Caesars Entertainment, reviewed the first NFL season of betting partnerships. Betting companies connect with customers through media, and as the panel's name suggests, likely will go beyond shoulder programming that promotes props and markets to broadcasting games themselves. Sharon Otterman, the chief marketing officer of Caesars Entertainment, explains how her company's $4 billion acquisition of sportsbook William Hill, combined with storytelling, has made Caesars a player three years after the Supreme Court repealed the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, or PASA, which paved the way for legal sports betting to quadruple in the United States. Last year at this time, we were still two separate companies. So um, we launched in August of 2021, and we have entertainment in our name. We're Caesars Entertainment. So we approached the marketplace in terms of entertaining and delighting our sports bettors and our potential sports bettors. And when we went out, we talked to consumers, and we asked them what was going on in the space and how they felt about the brands. They just felt that the space was very transactional. And we believed, you know, from our history of entertaining and offering all this great hospitality, we needed to do the same in the sports book space. So when you look at our name, especially on Caesar's Palace, there's no apostrophe in our name. Caesar didn't own the palace. It was everyone's palace, and we treat everyone like royalty. So we needed a Caesar to treat everyone like royalty. And J.B. Smooth, or we call him J.B.C., J.B. Caesar, uh, is the best Caesar that we could imagine. And then once you get that, then you also have to have a royal family of football. And what better royal family of football than Eli Payton, Archie, um, Cooper, you know, everyone coming together. So uh, we believe that storytelling and entertaining is a huge part of treating everyone like a Caesar. Amy Howe, FanDuel CEO, explains its reported four-year, $120 million deal with punter-turned-podcaster Pat McAfee and how it's helped the company reach its intended audience and new players. If you look at Pat, I mean, at the end of the day, these decisions are all come down to their investment decisions, right? They're as many deals that we look at that we don't do that we do. And, you know, Pat specifically was, uh, since he partnered with us, was one of the most important acquisition channels for us. Um, he also has just done a really phenomenal job building the brand. You know, we just came off of Super Bowl a few weeks. Hard to believe we were sitting here three weeks ago in uh, Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, Pat had an unbelievable presence in Radio Row with the NFL. We had 60 different celebrities that were coming through. And, and so he's figured out how to really bring sports betting to life as part of the overall narrative of, of the game. You know, we had for uh, Super Bowl specifically, we had a same game parlay that was Pat's same game parlay, and we had a quarter of a million consumers that were riding on that parlay. It didn't hit, by the way, if it did hit, we would have lost a lot of money. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, you know, he's a good example. You know, TNT and Turner is another great example with our NBA integration. You're now seeing sports betting part of just the overall narrative of the game, and it's fundamentally changing the way consumers um, experience live sporting events. Rini Anderson, the chief revenue officer and executive vice president NFL Partnerships, describes how the league works with its partners, Caesars, FanDuel, and DraftKings, to learn more about fans. 
we were somewhat slow to market. Slow being because we know that when we actually participate, that it's going to have somewhat of a tidal wave impact. And so really being thoughtful, and we really started, you know, Caesars, we've actually been partners prior to sports betting. We, they were our official casino partner, which was really great because they did so much to help teach us about the, just the intricacies of sports betting. And, and we are continuing to learn, and here we are, you know, after one full season, and we're, people are asking all these questions. What have you learned? What are your KPIs? We're like, everybody slow down. It's been one year. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, and so I think the value is for us when we went to market, we, we didn't have a plan to actually do a try-exclusive deal. I mean, you know, it's, it's nothing genius about try-exclusive, right? We, you know, if we did four, I guess we would have called it quad-exclusive. But <laughs> we're typically an exclusive with one partner. But what we learned going to market and talking to the different operators, and you just gave a great example, they all really differentiate themselves in how they talk to the customer, the sports better, in a very different way. And as we continue to learn, it's important that we understand how Caesars utilizes their you know, properties on site and it takes all of the pieces of entertainment and music and all the great things they do and, and, and what they learn from that sports better. And same with FanDuel, as, the, as we think about free-to-play games and how they're working specifically with those customers that are very focused on free-to-play and how does that cross-section for those that want to bet on sports, we're continuing to learn. And so, and, and, and also our third partner, which is DraftKings, as we think about their daily fantasy business and they're in a variety of other areas of, of other type of engagement and behavior fan engagement um, pieces. So I think for us it's about learning because th this isn't, this is here to stay. There's a, it's a long play. I'm not necessarily focused on the value today. I'm focused on the value long term. How this will help grow our fans, that engagement. The fans that want to bet. We have 200 million fans. I don't know if they want to all bet. I don't believe so. These guys, it's their job to help go and, and, and get those fans to become sports bettors. But we want to be really thoughtful of those. We know that there are many that don't want to. And so we're really thoughtful about that and understanding how we can continue to grow together. And that fan engagement piece is really the most important part. And, and also, I'll just add, responsible gambling is the equally most important part because we all have a responsibility as, as participating within this entire ecosystem to make sure that we're doing it in a responsible way. Hal follows up on Anderson's responsible gaming message as FanDuel works with a WFAN drive time radio host to educate fans on the potential pitfalls of gambling. Otterman discusses how the Mannings helped Caesars tell that story too during the Super Bowl and beyond. A big part of what we're doing right now, investing is, especially in the in these early years, is educating consumers. So we have a, an ambassador that, that we partnered up with. His name is Craig Carton. You may know him. He's in the New York area, and Craig has a very well documented challenge with um, with gambling. And he's um, what he's doing for us is educating and creating content that humanizes this topic, especially to that young male audience. We're doing a college tour with Craig, and he's going to be going out and in educating consumers on how you how you bet and stay within your limits and keep it as a form of entertainment. So a uh, lot of hard work ahead, um, but you know, similar to the NFL, we're also shifting our marketing dollars. To, we, we spent a lot of money in marketing, obviously, but we're now starting to educate Q2. We have a new marketing campaign coming out, which is all about exactly this topic. Yeah, well, education is so key. We were advertising, uh, even all leading up to the Super Bowl, we have a responsible gaming spot with, um, with the Manning family that we launched, and we were running 
that even on Super Bowl Sunday, but we're, you know, we're out there proactively advertising, um, setting limits, setting limits on time, setting limits on, on money, um, all of the controls that you have within the product itself and just controls around responsible gaming and then making content, making sure it gets to the right, uh, to the right folks, really important that we take it on ourselves for responsibility. Anderson says you won't see props and lines on NFL game broadcasts, and how applauds the league as the partners look beyond the initial season of NFL sponsorship. One thing that we're learning is that there is a purity to our game, and so consumers want to watch our game in a clean way. So you're going to continue to see our game broadcast in a, in a way that's clean. There's not going to be a lot of voiceover of sports betting um, or lines or communication in the clean broadcasts. But what we do want to create are unique assets around the broadcast for that consumer to make sure that we are feeding that appetite of that key consumer that wants to know about sports betting. So we're not turning off the fan that actually isn't participating in that. And so I think that's something that's really important. And to your point, now that we're into it, I think there was a, there was a point on there in a question Someone said, well, the NFL used to be against sports betting. Sports betting used to be illegal. <laughs> so just so you know, we were against it because it was illegal. And that's, that's the statement. And I think for us, when PAPSA was overturned, we wanted to take our time and really understand how this was evolving across the country and how it was being, uh, you know, you know, activated and marketing and, and what was happening with market access. And so we've had these great partnerships that have really helped us as partners understand what's important in key states, what's happening in Florida or Texas or California. And, and that part is really important as we think about the future. And as, as you said, as it continues to grow countrywide and becomes national at some point. And it, it, because originally it, it wasn't necessarily national, right? It was really local focused. And so we're all going to spend a lot of time, and I guess we'll be here again next year, and the same question will be asked, and hopefully we'll have some more KPIs, and we'll create unique contents uh, that the consumers can use to continue to engage in, in, in better ways. And I'd, I'd give the NFL a lot of credit on, on your point specifically around learning. I mean, when we signed the deal, one of the first conversations I had with with Roger and Rini was, and Roger said, he said, listen, we're not the experts in this space. We're gonna to look to you to help us innovate, to, to push our thinking. And, and I think that partnership has been really great. But as you said, we're one year in. Uh, we got the first year under our belts, but now the question is, okay, how, how do we take it from here and, and do what's right for the consumer, but also find different ways to engage? Like how, Otterman looks beyond the year one gold rush with data determining next steps. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest thing since riverboats, right? So. Yeah. Um, you know, what we're learning is that, you know, there can't be this media arms race, right, to keep participating, to, to the point of all the media companies very excited about this as a brand new category and how they could take advantage. The market also has to be sane at some point as well, too. And because we are such data-led companies, we're going to continue to hone our models and get smarter and smarter how much we should pay for our customer and what they're worth. And I think it will benefit all of us of not having the media costs be out of control because we'll just make other choices. 
Um, so I think that as things, uh, you know, one of the reasons we're here is we're going to recruit a lot of data people today. So we want more and more data folks to come in and help us get smarter, and that will make our media buys smarter as well, too. Anderson says the NFL's partnership with Genius Sports Group, which distributes the NFL's play-by-play, betting, and next-gen stats data feeds to global media and gaming markets, will help the league grow as new technology enables more ways for fans to engage with games and content. Genius Sport, we work with them on official data, as, as do our other partners here. And for us, you know, the speed, right, of the data and the, and the quality and making sure, I mean, everything that we do, we want to make sure is superior quality. The technology has to catch up. You know, if we look at the ecosystem of our stadiums and 5G technology that's integrating there, there's so many different pieces to the puzzle that come into play um, as you are at home, you know, deciding to make a bet on a game. And so we're really focused on all of those areas to make sure that it, that it does run right and it is superior, but it takes some time to, to get there. Um, and, and, and that's where, you know, we think in three to five years, as we think about this technology and the data, there are going to be new products, new services that are really going to be awesome for the customer, that are really going to be better than they are today, but it's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. Another Sloan panel, Future of the Fan, featured a discussion on Wi-Fi, 5G, and other technologies facilitating in-stadium gambling, according to Miami Dolphins Vice Chairman, President, and CEO Tom Garfinkel, and Buffalo Bills and Sabres President and Co-Owner Kim Pagula. First, you'll hear an interesting anecdote about the Super Bowl from Paul Kane, president of On Location, the premier on-site experiences leader. At the Super Bowl, I was blown away by this. I didn't actually expect this at all. In our top ticket buyers, uh, we have a section called On the 50, which is where our most expensive tickets went. And they went for any, you know, upwards of fifty dollars to $100,000 per ticket. It was like an ex- that, that group. The amount of people gambling from their seats blew my mind. Uh, and there was a row of people that were sitting literally across the whole row, all wearing um, basically uniforms of casino uniform, and they were sent from a casino, clearly, and they were gambling from their seat. The reason why it was amazing, and I talked to a few of them to say, like, what, you know, what, what makes this different? They said that the Wi-Fi connection in the stadium was so good okay. that they were able to do that, where a lot of stadiums, they weren't able to do that. To me, that was an incredible insight as, like, wow, that note of providing that service, of being able to do that from the seat, is something that will attract a really unique buyer. It felt like in portions, it wasn't the whole section, by the way, it wasn't Bedlam, but it was portions of it. It felt like that, they, that was their version of the sports book. Instead of watching on TV with multiple screens, they were in their seats watching the sports book and gambling from their seat. It was kind of a moment. Yeah, 5G will help that as well, because you can't have latency if you think about it, right? So if you used to go to Vegas to a sports book and bet the spread on a game or something, now it's more the prop bets. It goes back to the short attention spans and, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be a run or a pass? Is the next pitch going to be a ball or a strike? You can't have latency if you're going you're gonna to bet on that in the moment. So it's just, it's really, I think it's about engagement and another reason to engage. Uh, if, if anybody's been to a baseball game, you sit there with a friend and you bet whether, you know, when the umpire throws the ball back at the end of the inning, whether it's going to stay on the mound or, or roll off the mound, right? And so, you know, people, people are doing it. I don't know. I think they've already been doing it. I think they can use technology to do it and, and engage more frequently as a result. New York State, I mean, right. oh, close to over a billion dollars in handles in, in a month, five weeks, right? say five yeah. weeks, six weeks. So uh, the fact that, you know, I know that's across all the sports in New York State, but the fact that that's just one state 
and you know there's not that many sports teams in the state of New York, but the fact that you have that kind of engagement, you can't get that in attendance in a stadium, right? I mean, you can't. So you've got to you've got to believe that it is helping with the engagement, like like Tom said. And there's new adopters coming into the game, if just to bet and and kind of learn and understand. And then other others that are not just you know they're a fan of one team, but you know they've got skin in the game. Like um, Paul talked about ownership, like. Actually, have like dollars on, on outcomes, and so they feel empowered. And I, I you got to think that that only helps, you know, really in- increase the fandom and bring more people to the game. We'll end this episode with the last question from the betting panel, as Chad Millman, chief content officer of the Action Network, asks Otterman, Howe, and Anderson about the future of in-stadium gambling and the possibility of betting companies becoming rights holders to games. The exchange ends with a tip of the cap to Sloan Conference co-chairs Kraft Analytics Group CEO Jessica Gelman and Philadelphia 76ers President of Basketball Operations Daryl Morey. Of these trends that are possible in sports betting, sports media, which do you think is most likely to happen next? A sports betting platform is streaming live sporting events, is winning the rights to live sporting events. There are 45 states that have sports betting and you can be betting in real time from the stadium, either at a kiosk or on your phone. Um, Or, well, let's go with those two. Which, Sharon, you start, which one of those two is most likely to happen? I think that this last year of all these state launches has proven that this is going to be across the United States just the way that it is in many countries around the world and it's going to continue to scale and we're going to see sports betting in a lot more places than we do today. Amy? Well, if your specific question is, are we going to see kiosks and stadiums in 45 states? I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Um, I would ask our partner here about the streaming question, which is a very good question. Uh, I, I do think it's going to happen probably in other leagues first. It's probably not going to happen first in the NFL, but, um, but that in general, I think that convergence of the, you know, the, the sports media, the content, the, um, the, the content that we provide around the betting odds, you're just going to see more and more of that happening. Uh, we're already starting to see it. I have absolutely no idea. But what I will say <laughs> is that the content's interesting, right? Alternative broadcasts, and we saw what great success, you know, um, speaking of the Mannings with alternative broadcasts, and there's a variety of other areas that, that, that could be unique there as we think about that core better. And I think the content piece is really interesting. I don't know when or how, and most of our rights are locked up for like 10 years, a big TV right? So um, maybe in 10 years, we will maybe expand your years and see what happens, you know, after that. But um, I think that's interesting to, to watch and how we engage with those consumers. Yeah, in 10 years, it could be FanDuel or Caesars are the dominant media players as all the worlds continue to converge. And the Super Bowl's on the moon, right? <laughs> and, and, we're, and we're in the Sloan Conferences we're in the in Metaverse. The metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love that idea. Where's, where are Jess and Daryl? Can you make that happen yeah. next year? In the Metaverse. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. 
Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.